and he said, pick your giant from the Bible. So I just looked at the list there. I picked outside the list. So I'm like, <laughs> starting off, I'm wrong already, which is like pretty much like my life. It's like in the wrong place at the right time, doing the wrong thing. So uh, I'm just going to share um, probably my, I'd say he's probably my favorite, probably my favorite Bible character. And everyone always says that. And then you read another one, you say, no, that's my favorite. No, that's my favorite. So I keep changing. So today, this is my favorite Bible character. Um, and uh, I don't know, do I have the clicker? Who has the clicker? Who's going to click along? Okay, so my, my story, and it's in the interest of time, um, I'll kind of tell you the story. Will you do me a favor? When you go home, will you read this story in the Bible? Just go home, find Genesis. It's from about 37 to 50. He, keep, he keeps getting mentioned, but it's an amazing story, and there's loads in it. So I thought maybe we'd start this morning to see how many people know the story of Joseph. So you ready? I close my eyes. Drew back the curtains to see for certain. See, so we all know the musical, isn't it? So Joe Cuddy sang that. Now we stopped though, because Joe Cuddy sang that song. And everyone in the country is aware of Joseph and his amazing color dream coat. So there's a kind of story that's in our in our minds, in our hearts, and in our heads. And I thought, well, I don't search through this story and get some lessons for us. And things that we can get for our lives that might make it easier for us. Because the thing about the lessons from giants is, I always say, if you have to learn a lesson in life, try and learn it from someone else's hardships. Because that's probably the best way. So if someone says to you, don't drive up the road there without tax on your car, there's a guard at checkpoint up in the middle of Crumlin. It would be stupid to kind of go, I'll just go up and check myself if I can get through the guard at checkpoint without tax on my car. And then get caught and then go, oh, I didn't know. So the scripture, and especially the Old Testament, is full of stories of people where you can go, well, look, that's, that's how God dealt with them. And that's what God said to them. And that's how God spoke to them. And, and if I listen to that lesson, maybe, just maybe, I'll be the wiser thanks to their lesson. Does that make sense? Well, that's kind of what we're going to do with Joseph. So I was trying to think, you can, you can pretty much split Joseph's life into a... Uh, into different sections, I suppose. So um, let me see if I can. Uh... So if we if we flick them, so what's the story? That's a bit of an art story. What's the story? What's the story about Joseph? So uh, I'll tell you the story. In the first, when we when we see Joseph in the first part of the story, in the first slide, um, uh, I would say there was a purpose to his life. And when I'm doing business training, one of the slides I always say, which always catches people on surprise, I say I was created on purpose, with purpose, for purpose. So God didn't make me as an accident. He said, I need someone to do that here for this reason. And then he went, I'll make Rob. Isn't that amazing? You can put your name in there and go on purpose, for purpose, with purpose. So he needed you to do something. For most of us, I would say, for most of our lives, we get into a space where we're outside his purpose. So he's going, oh, I made you for over there. And we're like, I'm over here, Lord, do my own thing. So Joseph's story, when you read, I don't know, something to me earlier, but Joseph's story, when you read the story, what comes through it, all the way through for me, is the purpose. And God bring him to his purpose. So the first time, so we see him when we see him in a, the early end, the bit we're all familiar with is Joseph's coat. And uh, I would say in that piece, so he's a purpose, he was a daddy's pet. So when you meet him, first of all, his dad had a pet. Now, just for all parents, it is a bad thing to have a pet, right? 
So uh, when, when I do wellness workshops, myself and Brian actually do workshops together, and we ask people their best memory, and everyone goes, the birth of my first child. And then they go, oh, no, no, all my children. Because <laughs> they get this brush of guilt, don't they? Because they picked one. No, 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 all my children, right? Not my first child, all my children. So, so uh, my first child, would you believe, this is freaky. My first child is 30 tomorrow. So that's kind of, so I'm, uh, man, I'm aging. So, uh, so Jonathan, or as we called him when he was a kid, Johnny Bunny Wanny. Um, he'll be 30 tomorrow. And I was kind of thinking, <clears throat> God, was he, was he ever my pet? Because we, we ended up having five kids in the end, so it was a bit bedlam. So when people said, did you spoil your children? I said, we didn't have ch- time to spoil any of them. We just didn't have time to feed them, which is basically <laughs> just like keeping going. So, so Joseph was his daddy's pet. Um, I think he was the youngest for a while, and his dad just loved him. And to show his love, his dad made him a lovely coat. And that's, that's the thing we're all familiar with. So his dad gifted him this coat. And the next P in his life, <clears throat> the coat kind of annoyed his brothers, right? You could put a P in there as well, but <laughs> they were annoyed. And uh, so they kind of got a bit angsty and anxious and they said, you know what, listen, hate your man, what he's doing. And, and there's a funny bit, when you, when you read the scripture, so when you go home and read it, you'll find a verse in it where Joseph was a bit of a snitch. He was a bit of a telltale. So it you read where he said he went to his dad with the tale of what his brothers were doing. So it wasn't just they didn't like his coat. There was probably things about Joseph that weren't nice. He probably wasn't nice. So he's probably going around, look at me and my coat. <laughs> dad made me a coat, not you, look at me. So his brothers got really annoyed at him. And they decided, you know, we'll, we'll get rid of him. Because not only did he have a coat, he arrived one day and said, I've had a dream. This is the bit we know, you know, Joseph's dream. I've had a dream. We were all sheaves of come. Imagine saying this to your family. I had a dream, and in my dream, you all bowed down to me. That's what he said to them. And they said, all of us, yeah, you and ma and da, everyone was bowing down to me. And then he comes back the next day and says, I've had another dream. And they went, what was it this time? He goes, the sun and the moon and all the stars bowed down to me. Can you imagine if one of your family said that to you? <laughs> I was thinking of my brother Paul went... I had a dream where I'm marginally better than you. I go mental. So Joseph kind of said this to his family. I had a dream. You're all bound down to me. And then he's ratting them out to their dad. So you can imagine they're kind of... So one day, the dad says, listen, the lads have gone to Shechem to feed the sheep. Will you go and see how they're doing? So off he went to Shechem. And when he got to Shechem, they weren't there. They'd moved to a place called Dothan. And Joseph went after him. Can you imagine? I was just thinking when I was reading it yesterday, I was thinking, so we should be in Shechem because that's where Dad sent us. We're now in Dalton. And here we see Joseph come along. What are you going to think? He's going to rat on us again. He's going he's to tell the Ophla that we've gone where we're not supposed to be. So can you imagine all the anger and all the... What we do? Kill him. Throw him. Kill him. And someone goes, let's throw him in a pit. So they throw him in a pit to leave him to die. And then one of the brothers was obviously a little bit kinder. He went, no, don't let him die, don't let him die. So then the next thing, they sell him. They sell him as a slave. And he goes off into a house of a man called Potiphar. And when he's in Potiphar's house, Potiphar's missus gets a bit of a goo from him, basically. She fancies him. And she's like, want a bit of that? I'll have a bit of that. So she goes, any chance? And he goes, no chance at all, love. I'm uh, working for your husband. He's trusted me with everything in your house. And apart from that, I'm a child of God. And I wouldn't do that sort of thing. So the next day she goes, any chance today? 
And he goes, no chance at all of working for your husband, child of God. And she persists and persists and persists. And then one day he goes in to get something in the house. The Bible says he went into the house to do his business, but I'm sure that's not what it means. <laughs> I'm like, she's going to the jacks. <laughs> she went in to do something in the house. He went in the house to do his business. It, says, it actually says that in the King James Version. So uh, anyway, he was in the house doing his business. And out of the, out of the wardrobe comes your one. Any chance today? And he goes, no, I'm working for your husband. And there's no one in the house. I was thinking, wouldn't it be easy when there's no one in the house to do what you want? Wouldn't it? I go, well, maybe this will be, well, get your one off me back. We'll get this over with. Sort this out. No one's going to know. There's no one in the house. He went, no. I'm working for your husband. You're his wife. And I'm a child of God. And then, off he runs. But when he's running, she grabs his coat. And when he's outside the door, she starts screaming, rape, rape, rape. Your man's out there trying to get on me. So all the guards come in. He gets arrested. Next thing, he finds himself in prison. Can you imagine what you'd be thinking in prison? I'm here for being good. <laughs> I'm here for keeping God's will. I'm here for being a nice bloke. And you're down in a smelly... Now, prison wasn't like... It wasn't like the open prison that we have. Where's that one? The, that was the open prison. House, something house, is it? Down in Arthur. It's not the open prison. Like you're, you're, shelf, shelf, yeah. you're not out doing the flowers. and This is a manky place, right? So he's down there. And... Uh, thinking, what is going on? And it started, the journey starts when he's 17, so somewhere between 17 and 30, this is. So he's probably in his 20s in prison here. And he's like, this is mad. This is mad. And then one day he's in prison and this bloke comes in, butler and a baker, and they have a dream one night. And he goes, actually, I, I, had a, I had a dream and God helps me interpret dreams. So he interprets their dreams to them. And... Uh, and it's unusual because everywhere he went, he kept being put in charge. Isn't that mad? Everywhere he went, in Potter's house, they put him in charge. In the prison, they put him in charge. And so he does the dream of the lad and says, look, here's the sad news. is One of you is going to get your job back, but the other is going to die. And that actually happened. But he says to the butler, wasn't that the butler lived? The, the butler lived. I think the butler lived. And so he said to the butler, when you get out, she won't forget me. Won't you put in a word for me? Did you ever do that with anyone? You won't forget me now, won't you? You won't forget me. And they do. That's basically what happens. <laughs> I'll never forget what you did for me. Next week, they don't even know your name. So anyway, so off goes your man. And Joseph is still rotten in prison. And years later, Pharaoh has a dream. And no one knows how to interpret it. And then the butler goes, actually, when, when I was in jail, funny enough... <laughs> Funny enough, ages ago. Now, I don't even know if he's still there, to be honest with you. But there's a bloke in prison who interpreted the dream for me. And he was amazing. So Pharaoh calls Joseph up. He says, I've had this dream. And I could get Martin to sing this, because this is the Elvis song from Joseph's amazing Technicolor. I was down by the river, by the river Nile. <laughs> so it's the song about the seven fat cows and the seven skinny cows and how the seven skinny cows ate the seven fat cows. And Joseph said, you know what, God's telling me that this dream means that Egypt is going to have seven years of famine, or seven years of plenty, and then seven years of famine. And if we get ready during the plenty, we'd be okay during the famine. And then the scripture goes, Pharaoh said, we need a wise man, someone who knows how to do these things, someone who understands this, someone who, where would we find such a man? And then he goes to Joseph, you're the man. So he made him the prime minister. So he went from the pet to the pit, 
to the president to Potiphar to being the prime minister. All those peas. So if you're ever trying to remember the story of Joseph, it's a story of peas. And, uh, and I was reading through it and going, like, they're, they're amazing things. And you know, in my life, and I'm sure if you look back on your life, there's been times when you've been a pet, isn't there? You're in a special place where you were getting favor. Someone was nice to you. Someone was looking after you. That felt lovely, didn't it? Hands up if you're ever in the pits. <laughs> Do you ever go, God, I'm in the pits. <laughs> and you're in a situation where you're going, is there any way out of it? Like if you're in a pit, you're looking up at bare edges, nothing to hang on to, nothing to climb onto, nothing to get out of. And you're like, this is awful. Have you ever felt like you're in a prison, trapped? We were doing a workshop in Wheatfield Prison one day, and this man who's in for 14 years, this is what he said. He said, the prison in here is nothing to the prison in your head when you're out there. A prisoner in Wheatfield said that. No, not me. And you're going like, goodness, that's true. Can't you get trapped? Did you ever get trapped in a thought? Trapped in a feeling? Trapped in an opinion? Trapped in the past? Trapped with something that happened to you? Trapped with someone that said to you, something that was done to you, something that you should have got that you didn't get, something that you felt you were entitled to but you didn't get, something that someone else got, and that becomes your prison. Sometimes we make our own prisons. I've put up bars around my heart that were, what prison are you in? Oh, it's the Robert prison. It's not Wheatfield, it's not Cloverhill, it's not Limerick, it's not Cork, it's Robert prison. Who has the key? I, I kind of have. It's locked in the inside. And you're there going, this is awful. But Joseph, when he was in prison, was always in contact with God. I've been in times when I've been in prison. I've been in times then when I've called before Pharaohs, when you've come before the wise and the great and the good to give your testimony. I've given me testimony in Dal Aaron, which I thought was a real privilege. And uh, it's pretty amazing, isn't it? But all you can say when you're in front of those people is what Daniel said, or David, what, Daniel, what did Daniel say? What Joseph said is, it's not me, it's God. And you know what? I believe God has called us to be put in places of influence. Maybe not the prime minister, but maybe the person in the community, the person in the family, the person in the home, the person with your friends. You're the person of influence. You're God's person in that space. And that's what he's preparing us for as we go through our Joseph life. So, I was thinking, what lessons could we learn from that story? So I tried to think of lessons that begin with P. Okay, so we're going to keep this all P's. So when we're going, I'll be the priest. I'll say, P's be with you. And you'll all, you'll all go, thanks be to God. <laughs> so let's see the first, uh, the first P. Okay. God's plan is greater than our plan. And that, that cartoon, I found that cartoon that says, wasn't the answer, it was the answer to his prayers, but not the one he was hoping for, but an answer nonetheless. Sometimes God says no. God ever say no to you about something? Lord, we want this. Uh, no. <laughs> and you're raging. <laughs> Imagine being raging with God. That's kind of scary, isn't it? So, God's plan. So, so if Joseph, so when God revealed to Joseph, this is what all the family are going to bow down to you, and um, you'll be the main man, and all they'll be. So I'd be thinking, that's going to be nice. That's a lovely journey God has planned out for me, wouldn't you? Next thing you're in a pit. What would you think? Uh, excuse me, um, do you remember the plan <laughs> where I was going to be and they were going to be? I'm actually down underground. And God's gone. My, my plans are bigger than your plans. 
has a lovely scripture that says that. And the next one says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways. So whatever's going on in your life, don't try and second guess God. Never say to God, I have a better way. You haven't. There's no point in looking for it because his ways are always good. And when I was a kid, this Romans 8, 28 on the next verse. And again. So this, this is in Jeremiah. It says his plans to prosper us and give us hope. In all things, work together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Isn't that lovely? So everything, if you're called according to God's purpose and you love him, whatever's happening in your life, whatever, is working together for your good. Working together for your good. Imagine that. Now listen to this. I told this story, but I don't know if this is a nice story for church, but I was telling this story to someone. I was on a course last week and we were talking about when awful things happen to you. And I was, about three years ago, I was talking to a fellow in the country. We were talking about septic tanks, right? Okay, bear with me on this one. For a septic tank to work, the first thing they put in is a dead rat, right? And the dead rat does a thing called it agitates the action in the tank and starts whatever it needs for everything to decompose. But it starts with the rat. That's what makes it work. And I was like, that's incredible, right? Now, in your life, right, sometimes things come in to your life and go, what is that? But if all things work together for good, Maybe he puts things in that yet, what is that? And he's going, no, no, no. If you wait, this is the knock-on effect that's going to have in your life. So Joseph's in the pit going like, what about the plan? And God's going, hey, hang on a second. My ways are not your ways. My plans are higher than your plans. But hang on to this thought. All things will work together for your good. And at the end, you're going to see this. You're going to be blessed. And then in Hebrews it says this. He will equip us with everything good for doing his will. So God has called you. Remember I said we're all on purpose, for purpose, with purpose. He's called you all to do his job. And then he said, no, hang on, I'll give you, I'll give you what you need. I'll give you what you need. This is, this is the skills. This is what you're going to need. Does that make sense? So his plans are not our plans. He'll provide if we persevere. Okay, so I wouldn't say prosper, but provide. Okay, so sometimes churches get, you know what, if you give your life to the Lord, you'll be millions of pounds falling out of the roof. You'll walk around, your, your steering wheel will turn gold on your way to work. I'm not saying that. I'm saying, if you need a sandwich, you'll have a sandwich. If you need two sandwiches, he'll give you two sandwiches. He'll provide if you, if you persevere. He'll provide if you persevere. I love this one, says, each step gets harder, but don't stop. The view is beautiful at the top. Isn't that good? We ever going somewhere and you're kind of going, oh, where do you see the view? Where do you see the view? And all you can see is the hill. And you go up the hill and it's like, there's no view, there's no view, there's no view. And then you get to the top. And you're going, oh my goodness, if we turned back a hundred yards ago, we would have missed this. We would have missed this. There's nothing worse than people. Would you ever come back from holidays? Oh, I was in, oh, where were we? I was in Crete. Did you see the, uh, yeah, we went halfway up the hill, but we didn't. Oh, you missed it. And you're going, no, should have gone up the hill. Or is that just me? Have I anger issues? <laughs> okay, so another B. He will provide if we persevere. Next one. Go back to that one. I like that one. I like that thing. There may be pain. <laughs> Ouch. 
Ouch. Hands up if God ever did that in your life that made you go, ouch. Oh my God, ouch. 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 There may be pain. And the next slide kind of says that the pain that you have been feeling can't compare to the joy that's coming. It says that in Romans 8. We all say that together. The pain that you've been feeling can't compare to the joy that's coming. Wow. You know what? I've had things in my life that have hurt. Oh. I've lain in bed going, what are you at, God? This is killing me. This is killing me. On the 8th of September, 2011, I lay on my own in my bed in Rohini. And that day, I just lost the girl that I'd been with for 36 years. She'd had an aneurysm. And she was a Christian. And she was walking with God. And she loved God. And she was a great mammy. And if Romans 8.28 is true, that all things work together for good, and God has a plan, and nothing is random, and nothing is out of order, there's pain. But he's doing something with me. There may be pain in the night, but joy comes in the morning. You can stay in your pain, can't you? You can actually, did you ever get pain and keep wanting to tell people about your pain? And they're going, well, joy's coming on and forget the joy. Wait till I tell you about my pain. Yeah. I'd rather tell you about the pain. More people gather around me when I tell about the pain, actually. That's, you know, there's a much bigger pain club than there is joy club, isn't there? People love pain. How are you? I'm great. Oh, we'll move on there then. How are you? Awful. Come here, chat to me. Really you? How bad are you? Oh, I'm really bad. Oh, so my old God. Tell us. Oh, and you're like, so everyone's like, oh, that's, that's, that's a terrible. Oh. And you can even see people's faces and you can hear someone, and he did that. No. <laughs> he did, oh, really? Oh, yeah. Like, when you tell people happy stories, like, that was fantastic. Everything turned out well. Really? <laughs> and look, Irish people, <clears throat> when, you, when you tell them a really bad story that your leg fell off, they always go, I'll give you a better one. Everyone, I thought that was pretty good. <laughs> I thought that was a pretty dramatic one. My leg fell off. I'm going to give you a better one. I don't want a better one. I'm happy with that one. <laughs> it's like, that's misery enough for me. But we love the pain. pain. Pain is in the night and joy comes in the morning. And I, honestly, I thought, like when Jean died, I thought, the end of the, I thought that was the end of the world. But the promises of God kept coming to me going, no, pain for the night, joy in the morning. Gonna be with you, long with you always. I'll never leave you, never forsake you. Something else. If he says he's never gonna leave me or forsake me, he's here with me then, isn't he? He's in this lonely bed with me as I think, where's the future? And he had a future. And he had a plan. Doesn't mean you don't think back and go, that was sad, or that hurt. I was on a course, I was telling Brian Air, I was on a course this week, and I don't, I don't know what we start. There was a stage in me and Jean's life where we ended up separated, where marriage fell apart and we ended up separated. And my mind went back to those days and the pain and I described um, I described being in a flat on Christmas Eve this way I described it was like it was Christmas Eve I was lying in a flat in town um, and I was listening to 98FM and they are playing all the Christmas songs and all I could think was that all my kids were at home waiting for Santi and I sobbed for about two hours cried for about two hours that's pain but when we came back together, 
God used that story to bless hundreds of people about relationship and restoration and hope and his like. So you're kind of going, there was pain there, you know. And we sing a song, though there's pain in the offering. Blessed be your name. Did you ever sing that song? Though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. And you know what? In Joseph's life, there was a lot of pain. But all the time, he leaned into God, didn't he? He leaned into God. So the next P, what's our next P? Principles rock. <laughs> okay. That picture is someone taking off their face. Take, do you ever have a Christian face? The Lord be with you. <laughs> Bless you. Bless you, sister. It's really blessed by your video of the children's work. Amazing. Wagon. <laughs> now, that's, we're only acting that out, right? That would never happen in church. Or would it? Aren't we such two-faced people? Aren't we? Let's call a spade a spade. I'm telling you, right? The Lord bless you. What does the scripture say? How will people know we're disciples? By our love for one another. By the way we love each other. Even if we annoy each other, we can love each other, can't we? We can love each other. And principles. Rock. The amazing thing about Joseph, I mean, he's called into your one's house. No one was there, right? So we can all be all holy in here, right? I gave my life to you. Right? And then we go home. Who are we? Would people even recognize us at home? They might say to me, have you a twin goes to hope? <laughs> have you a twin that's a pastor in the life center, right? We ever doing something and someone goes, call yourself a Christian? Ooh, that ever happened to you? Oh, or is it just me again? Is it? <laughs> I'm a desperate pastor. But I, <laughs> the worst pastor in the world. Call yourself a Christian. Why? Because sometimes I don't stick to my principles. Sometimes I, sometimes I go with the breeze. What's everyone else happening here? Who are we in here? In this room? In this room where the wild people. Oh, well, I'll be one of you then. So someone asked Jesus one day, what's the most important commandment? And he said, he said, look, if you love God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength, there's a principle. If you love God with everything that you are. And the next one he said was, and love your neighbor as yourself. And you know what? You could search through the scriptures and find another way to live. But if you live to those two things, right? And Jesus said them, so they must be pretty important. He said, if you live to these two principles, you'd be pretty okay. Love me with everything that you have. And love your neighbor the way you love yourself. Sure, what would you do wrong on anyone? Like, you never get up in the morning going like, you know what, I'm going to be as mean to Rob today as I possibly can. I'm not going to feed him. I'm not going to look after him. I'm not going to even talk to him. You, that's the way we treat some of our neighbors and our friends, isn't it? The state of them. We'll be talking to them for a week. They look to be funny. No. Jesus said, they know you're my disciples. If you stick to those principles. Because principles rock. The next P. Patience is a virtue. <laughs> Do you see what's happening there? It's a polar bear trying to, trying to thaw a seal out of a block of ice with a hairdryer. So it's like, <laughs> He's playing the long game. I was thinking of all the, of all those times in in uh, Joseph's life. There's loads of times when he could have given up, weren't there? 
And there's loads of times when he could have settled. Because I'd be kind of going, okay, so my brothers put me into the pit. That was the test. And now look at me. I'm the main man in Potiphar's house. You know what? I would say in this room, there's a load of people who have glass ceiling, the call that God has on your life. And what I mean by that is that you, you're limiting what God wants to do with you. You're limiting, not him. You've gone, this is it. He called me to be a seat filler, (laughs) right? He called me to be a waver. And he's gone, no, I called you to be an evangelist. I called you to be a pastor. I called you to be a leading missionary. I called you to be an amazing worship leader. And we're going, I'm I'm happy here. We, I'm telling you, we say to God more often than anyone, I'm grand here, Jesus. I'm grand. And he's going, you might be grand, but I have more for you. In fact, I need more from you. How do you mean? I need all of you. Don't be sitting there saying, this will do. That's how most relationships collapse. Because we have a this will do attitude. Do you ever do that? Like, here's what I always say to you. You know when you fall in love first? <laughs> no. <laughs> so when you fall in love first, listen, there isn't a thing. I'll walk through the hot coals for you, darling. Do you want a glass of tulip water? I'll wring them out myself and get them where you That's what you want, my love, right? Ten years later, we get a glass of water. Sink is there. You know where the sink is. There's the glasses. Get Would you not get me? Can't you see I'm busy? <laughs> what are you doing? I'm keeping the chair warm. When you start, it's what can I do for you? And as it goes on, it's what can I get away with? What's the least I can put in here? What will keep this thing going? Isn't that? It's like, what's the least I have to do? Like, what are they going to be doing? Should that do? There'll be no fight if I do that. It's kind of like when your wife goes out and she says, keep the kids clean. And you're kind of going, well, if I keep their faces and their hands clean, that's good enough, right? <laughs> and you start putting the bar lower and lower and lower till you kind of go, I can get away with that. And you know what? We do that with God. What's the least I can put in? I, I got a glass ceiling in God's vision for you. So, you're going to, so he's going, I want you up here. We're going, I can't get to this. This is going. And you know, anyone looking at you, going, it's great. They're great. They're fantastic. They're very involved in the church. God's going, no, they're not where I want them. They're not doing what I asked them. They're not fulfilling the call I have for them. From the very start, God called Joseph to be the prime minister of Egypt so he could save the children. Now you think of this. If Joseph didn't do what he did, Jacob and all his family would have died, including Judah. Who came from Judah? Jesus. I'm actually getting goosebumps. I didn't think of that until now. Right? <laughs> oh my goodness. Isn't that amazing? If Joseph didn't do his job, Jesus couldn't have been born. Joseph never even heard of Jesus. Didn't even know he was coming. Joseph didn't even know they needed the Messiah. He didn't even know that. So what God's called you to do, we don't know what it's for. We don't know what it, we don't know. But he does. So to get to our call, patience is a massive virtue. That scripture says there, be completely humble and gentle. And then what? Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Patience is really important. 
Imagine Joseph, like, <laughs> if it was me, when I was called in to see Pharaoh three years after you'd asked the butler to mention your name, right? And you saw him in the corner going, I told him, I told him. <laughs> I would have gone over and battered him. Three years, it took you three years. He's going, no, patience. Isn't it lovely? The next slide. Let us not become weary in well-doing. That's the old version. But let's read this one. Let us not be weary in doing good. For all, at the proper time, we will reap harvest if we do not give up. Do you ever get weary in well-doing? Do you remember when hope was struggling? And you were Brian and said to me, we'd nine in last night, we'd eight in last night, we'd ten in last night. You get weary. You're kind of like, what do, what's the take? And I'm, I'm at the same stage over in the, in the life center. It's like, I was saying to Karen the other day, we've done 72 Sundays. It's like, does that sound like someone who's counting the days? That sounds like someone who's <laughs> Right? You know, it's never rained on a Sunday night. I just think that's amazing. It's never rained. Every week when I'm bringing this stuff in, it never rains. And when I'm bringing it out, it never rains. So it's, uh, but there's some, there's some Sundays where you're going like, oh, come on. Or you, you, you preach a fantastic sermon, right? And then someone will ask you a question after you're going like, ah, I give up. And the scripture says, don't be weary in well-doing. Putting the work into the kids' club. Putting the work into kids, George. Putting the work into the outreach, the soup run. You're going to be giving people soup for five years and who's ever come? And you get weary, don't you? Someone rings and oh, I'm not feeling great today. And you go, yeah, go on, go on, go on, go on, go on. And your ministry heart suddenly goes like, you're, you're, this is killing me. And you get weary and well done. And even with your own family, witnessing to them or being nice to them or trying to encourage them or asking people to come to church. And I'm not going to ask anyone else. Do you ever get like, I won't bother. I won't bother. They're not going to come. Patience is a virtue. Don't be weary and well done. Imagine if Joseph gave up. There'd be no Jesus. I think we have a few more, please. <laughs> Avoid the parkies. In this great photograph, I'm always, I'm always saying... Over the life centers, I'm probably the pastor that puts up the weirdest pictures. We were talking last week about lovely. He's altogether lovely, and I put up a picture of the lovely girls' competition and Father Ted. I'm like, because <laughs> that's the way my head rolls. <laughs> so this is Pinocchio, and um, the truth. And the next slide says this: study to show yourself approved of God, a workman who needs not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Truth is so important. Be true with ourselves. Be true with each other. Be true at what God's doing with us. Be honest and open. And the next verse, the integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. Their duplicity. Isn't that mad? Destroyed by duplicity. Isn't that, isn't that by double-mindedness, double-facedness, two-facedness? Speaking out both sides of your mouth. Because when people don't trust us, they won't believe us. They can't trust us in the small things. They're not going to. So, so we, if someone can't trust us in the small things, and then we say, and if you're born again, you'll go to heaven. They're going, is that true? And you go, no, it's true. Well, just with you, I'm not sure what I can believe, because sometimes you tell me things, they're not really true. Joseph never lied, ever. He did. And I even love, I love the way Joseph always gave God the glory. Always. He could have said, I'm a great interpreter of dreams. But he didn't. He worked towards his vision. And the last piece, I think, here is put your shoulder to the wheel. God has called this center to a great thing. Right? It's a great ministry in, in Crumlin. I love that it's defined. I love that Brian never changes it. It's Crumlin. Dublin, 
12, not outside it, not beyond it. That's what we're called to. And it won't work unless we put in the work. Put your shoulder to the wheel. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Knowing that from the Lord you'll receive the inheritance of your reward. You are, the cheer, you are serving the Lord Christ. Whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. So even when you come in here and you're doing something, you don't do it for Brian, you don't do it for Anne. Do it for God. When I was in St. Mark's Church, I didn't do it for Sean. I did it for God. When we're out in the life center, we're doing it for God. Not for people to say, aren't you great? Just for, for God to say you're great. Servants, be subject to your masters. With respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. And you know what? Sometimes you read that, it's like honoring your boss and work. But you know what? In church, there's ministry leaders, there's church leaders. And, and we have to respect them as well. Because they're given the job by God and Brian's given the authority of this church to lead this church. And he'd stand before God and go, uh, Brian, what about that? That's the scary thing about being a pastor, isn't it? That's, that's what really freaks you out when you're lying in bed at night going, why don't you ask me about that one? So Brian needs people to kind of listen to the guidance and wisdom that God gives him. To kind of say, look, this is the vision for the church. This is where we're going. And then we wholeheartedly row in behind that with everything. On the next slide. So we know there'll be pain. But we know he'll provide and prosper us if we persevere. We know if we stick to our principles. We know if we have patience. We don't tell porkies. If we put our shoulders to the wheel. That like Joseph. At the end of his story. Where Jesus comes through Judah. Through one of his brothers who got fed. Because Joseph gave him the food. I'm telling you, if you go over the next week, even make that your, your thing this week, I'm going to read the story of Joseph. There's enough chapters. You could do one a day. Every day you'll find something in it. Um, I was blessed to be asked to speak about following a giant or running with the giants. And uh, Joseph, for me, is definitely a giant. And I want to finish by saying this, that I have a father in heaven who loves me so much that he's made me a coat. It's called the coat of righteousness. Isn't that lovely? I'm his favourite. I'm his favourite. I'll tell you how much he loves me. He sent Jesus to die for me. That's how much he loves me. And he says, you know what, Rob? I love you so much. I'm going to make this coat of righteousness. And I, what's that for God? And he said, well, if you put that on, anytime you come in front of me, that's all I'll say. I won't see filthy Rob. I won't see Rob the liar. Rob the cheater. Rob the angry Rob, Rob the lazy Rob. I won't see that Rob, I'll just see Rob the righteous. Because you've got your coat. And it's only got one colour. And I believe it's red, it's the blood of Jesus. And it covers me to stand in front of him and be his favourite son. And he says, and because of that, you can call me Abba, which is the Hebrew word for daddy. Isn't that lovely? So you imagine that you have a heavenly father who has a plan for you. He has a purpose for you. He's going to bring you through the pain. He's wrapping his arms around you. He said, I made you on purpose, for purpose, with purpose. And don't you ever forget it. Ever. Put on your coat. Put on your coat. And let me look at you. And let me love you. And have a great, great week. Because you know what? You're all God's favorite kids. Amen. Amen. Let's just tell him we love him. Sorry I've gone over time.
So, Heavenly Father, we want to say thank you. Thank you that you've called each and every one of us to walk with you. We want to say we're sorry for limiting your plan. We're sorry that we don't push fully into what you have for us. That we don't open ourselves to greatness that you want to give to us. But this week, will you let us be like Joseph? Just let us be in the, in the palm of your hand, doing whatever you call us to do, to be whatever you want us to be, for your glory and for your kingdom. We ask this in your name. Amen.